Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Startup Nightmares. Startup Nightmares is a podcast that aims to inspire those who work in the startup world to do the best work they can the best way possible while dodging some bullets doing so. Let's just be a bit more human here. All of these people started needing stuff from me. Don't feel like you're on your own because you're, you're never on your own. But I'm paying this person a good wage. Why isn't that enough? And that doesn't make me special. What is making me special is my deeper story. People need a sense of purpose to feel motivated in their job. Wake up at five in the morning and like go to the gym for an hour. Like, what the fuck is that? You're sitting at your desk crying and you're like, what happened? I had no idea how to monetize anything. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title. You get a title. You get a title. Either pay me or I will sue you. All of our guests have been to the dark side of the innovation ecosystem and came back to tell their tale. You can use this. This is how you get there. It is not a secret anymore. My name is Tal Shmueli, and I will be your host. Jay Richards, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, and our connection had been facilitated by a friend of the show, James Frewin, yes. uh, who recommended we get in touch. I told him what we're doing with the uh, podcast, and he goes, listen, I have this friend who started this uh, company who helps uh, other companies connect with Gen Zers. So let's imagine, and we're here to talk about you, about the company, and a bit about your experience uh, in a startup and helping startups. So let's start with the basics. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? Yeah, that's a good question. Is that a loaded question? So my name is Jay Richards. I am a husband, a father. Uh, I'm also into Jiu-Jitsu. I'm into Muay Thai, Love MMA. And I am one of the co-founders of Imagine. So we started Imagine simply for the fact that we are the underestimated building for the underestimated. And I'll explain that term a little bit more later on. Let's not wait. What is the underestimated? Yeah, good. There we go. I love you dive straight in. I like that. So the underestimated are women or people from a low-income ethnic minority background. That's how I normally describe them. So these are folks that normally are left out of the room when biz decisions are being made. And I was one of those folks. And um, so we're building for people. And my co-founder was one as well. And we're building for people like us that, that, that should be in the rooms, but currently aren't in the rooms where decisions are being made. So before you uh, started tackling what is a huge problem, what did you do? How yeah. did you end up where you are? Good question. Yeah, so I studied at university, studied business and management, uh, which was extremely boring because I'm not, I'm not a, um, a studious type of person, but graduated my degree because my mom would kick my ass if I didn't. Then after graduating, went and worked at a few insurance firms doing consultant work, uh, which was cool. So I did that till 2018, 2019. And then um, started Imagine. At the time, it was called Divink. And we were helping young people in schools to launch their own startup businesses. So we were doing that. And while we were doing that, we amassed a huge network of young people across the country. And then what happened was basically um, the NFL, who are one of our clients now, came to us and said, hey, we don't really want to do anything with the startup stuff, but um, we would love to We would love to actually create a marketing campaign with this generation. And that was the lightning bolt that, that started everything. So let's park the NFL for yeah. a second because uh, you were living in East London. Yes, yeah. And you were a consultant for insurance companies for a good five, six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you come up with this insane notion of starting a company. Yeah. What about your professional journey until that point led you 
into the new one? I think for me, I've always been a problem solver, not like that, like the wanky way that we talk about. Oh, I'm a problem solver. I love finding problems. But I think kind of I just if something needed solving, I would just solve it. I probably wouldn't make a big deal about it, but I but I would just solve it. So I always wanted to start a business. I ran a nightclub while I was at university, which was cool. When when I was in secondary school, I was in basic. I was basically good at being bad, and uh, my business studies teacher helped me to start my first business when I was in school. So that kind of put me on the path of what business was. And the first book I ever read cover to cover was Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson. And that for me was like, wow, like I started devouring profit and loss accounts. Like I would just love just like learning about this stuff. And that's why I went to university to study and so on and so on. What's the story about the teacher that helped you start your own business? Yeah. So Mr. Wright was my business studies teacher. Um, basically, I had um, got in a lot of trouble at school. Um, Define trouble. <laughs> I was getting younger kids in school to start stealing computer parts for me. So they'd steal a part of computers, they'd bring it to me, and I'd sell it to Mr. Patel at the local market. So yeah, so I was good at being bad. I was good at rounding up other people to do bad things. And my business study teacher just saw, I suppose, leadership qualities or something like that. Before he did that, like, were you on a path that led you to places you want to be in? Or how did you open up to the notion of changing? Yeah, I think for me, it wasn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't going through a time of being like, okay, you know what? Like I'm really struggling, whatever it may be. I just think I just wanted to make money and I didn't want to be the person that was right in the center of it. So I would just remove myself and, and get other people to do that. But I think, yeah, in the long run, if I'd kept going down that path, it may have ended up wherever, wherever it would have ended. But, um, but he obviously helped me, helped me change the direction. Money is a huge motivation in all of our, our lives. When you were, what, 16, 17? Yeah, yeah. What were you using the money for? Like, why, yeah, why the motivation? Question. You didn't have to provide for anyone. You were... No, yeah, yeah. So, so I am number five out of six kids, which we spoke about earlier. And so, yeah, big family. So my parents were amazing parents, but it was just simply the fact there were six of us kids. So that's a lot of a lot of pairs of shoes. That's a lot of hoodies. That's a lot of stuff. So they did the best they could, but it was there was things that when you're at that age that you want that, that your parents can't really get because they're like, you know, I can't get six pairs of that. So I just noticed that from a young age, going to school and other people had things and I'd be like, oh, why can't we get that? Go home and ask your mom and she'd be like, yeah, maybe maybe in a couple of months and then whatever it may be. So I think it was, you were motivated a lot of the time by material stuff. But yeah, so it was, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time in life. Okay, so going back to your teacher. Yeah. Gave you a book to read? No, he didn't actually. He just showed me how I could um, print t-shirts for £1.50. I could pay my friends £2 for everyone they sold and I could sell them for 15 quid. And that was like, I was like, oh, wow, okay, cool. And he showed me how to do a profit and loss account, showed me how to create a business plan. And I think for him, it was like, okay, I need to get this, I need to get this kid doing something or he's just going to just go off the rails. Was this happening in school hours or after school? After school. So um, we would do it during my business studies lesson, which I had two or three a week, I think. And then after school, he would just stay with me and be like, okay, cool, let's let's carry on your business plan. And then I started printing t-shirts and then saying to my friends, take a half day on a Friday and go sell these t-shirts for me across across the city. Um, and that's what we did, which was cool, man. So it was good fun. What was printed on the t-shirts? It was literally, it was called, the company was called Feng Shui. Terrible name. Um, and it was literally a monkey. You can actually still. I've got. I've got the um, the photos on my phone, and it's like a. It had like it was a monkey with a big gold chain around its neck. It looks so random, but everybody bought it because nobody was doing. This is when like I had I had the website on Big Cartel. That's how far back we're talking. Like it's like old school website. Um, it's probably still up somewhere. And now a bathing ape is a streetwear company yeah, that's yeah, making. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying they stole my idea, but. There's too many similarities. <laughs> Pharrell Holloway. Man, amazing. And did the business pick up? Yeah, it did. So we made um, about £3,000 profit, which was cool, which was wow. good, especially at, like I was just before my 16th birthday. But the good thing was that I, so I was able to actually focus and get my GCSEs. Because I discovered business and I was excited about it, it happened at a, a really poignant time. So I was able to go, okay, I want to study business. I need to get these grades. So then I was able to focus just before my exams. So you finished exams, you went to uni, and this entrepreneurial spirit now is in a cubicle in an insurance company. Mm, yeah, I think so. When I was the probably the best story showing my uh, my rebellious nature, I was I was at this firm. Um, it was a health insurance firm, and while I'm at the firm, I just said to them, "We should use AI to predict when people are going to have ailments." Um, so basically, using their previous data and what we've currently seen from their current data to actually 
predict when they're going to be ill so that you could say to them, hey, you, 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 you'll need to go to GP on this date so we book the appointment. You need to go and do those sorts of things. Everybody's like, oh, sounds amazing. I've sat down with the MD and CEO, all these people bringing me into these rooms to have these meetings. Started putting loads of effort behind it and then suddenly they just canned it. And I was like, why did you stop doing that? They're like, oh, it's just not a priority for us now. And they just wanted to focus on their current business. And the problem was, so when I first started, they had 43% of the market share. When I left, they had 34 So it was like they were constantly just cannibalizing their own customers and then other companies were coming in and taking their customers and they weren't innovating to to change. So I was trying to get them, let's let's do some innovation. I was so excited. I was like, come on, I want to be part of this 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 ecosystem. They had like two hundred million in the bank, so they could afford to do it, wasn't it? They couldn't afford to do it. But mm-hmm. yeah. It's the full sense of security you get when you're a big, big company. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, we're not going anywhere. We're staying right where we are. Exactly. And then it's like a customer by customer by customer yeah. and it chips into a trend. And um, before you realize, it's uh, the trend has changed completely. Yeah, exactly. And they were over 100 and something years old. So for them, it was kind of like, we don't need to change. Why would we, why would we change? Were you spending a lot of time at work back then? Yeah. I've always been a big believer in work-life balance. I was never the guy that would leave late. I would just leave when I needed to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked from home a lot, which was cool. But yeah, it was a lot, it was a lot of hours. So it was, a, it was always, um, if you had deadlines coming up, then you were grafting. But um, it was good fun. I enjoyed it. I actually, um, it wasn't like it was like a bad job. I think as I, just before I left, it got worse because as always, they cut our bonuses. So when I first started, our bonuses were insane. So I landed like a, maybe half a million or a million pound deal for the company. And my bonus, I've never seen anything like that come into my account. So I was like, whoa, like, I love this. By the time I left, I was getting like one tenth of what I got when I first got there. Wow. Yeah. So it was wow. very much like over the years, they gradually just cut Cut cut. It's a salesperson's journey. Yeah, uh, you yeah. crush it, you kill target, your targets are getting more serious, yeah. your bonuses are getting bigger, but then it comes a point where it's no longer sustainable, mm-hmm. the bonuses are diminished, yeah. and uh, yeah. also your likelihood of progressing within the company because you've now uh, missed a quarter. Yeah. Um, it's the sales cycle yeah. of uh, it's the it's the life cycle of a yes. salesperson in a way. And at this point, were you already aware that you're going to build Imagine? No, I think at the time it was, um, I just wanted to help young people launch their businesses. So I think at that time, that was my thought process. Is this coming out of your experience with your teacher? Yes. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. so that, that, that what you got from him is a, is, a, is a gift? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think it was being in secondary school, not really knowing what I wanted to do. He kind of just gave me a um, a, a direction to go in, which was cool. And I think for me... I then equated that to, oh, everybody should start a business. So in my, in my, in my futile mind, I was like, oh, perfect. Everybody should start a business. So we'll, that's what we'll do. And I just started, it was just a side hustle. It wasn't anything that I wanted to do full time. It was just like, okay, let's just help people start businesses. And then we just, as I said before, we just started amassing all these, all these students. Should everyone start a business? No. I think potentially people should have side hustles because side hustles can be, you, you're a full time accountant, but you love photography. I don't think it needs to be um, a quote-unquote business. I think that entrepreneurial stuff, and that's the interesting thing about Gen Z, because they've seen so many of us millennials try and start businesses and blow loads of cash, they're actually, they're more inclined to actually go and work full-time jobs and have side hustles than with millennials. We love actually being the CEO. and We go up, uh, up on the myth of, uh, of, uh, of the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. Yeah, Build yeah. an app, become yes. a billionaire. Yeah, yeah exactly um, right, yeah. So I think they're more uh, they're more risk averse. Yes, yeah, you know, they've, or they've more risk two, conscious even. Yeah. And they've seen two thousand and eight, like they saw how they saw the blowback from that. They saw what it did, and they saw just the frivolousness and what that did. And I think even now they're at this age, they're seeing the WeWorks explode. They're seeing Brandless, which yesterday announced that it was closing. Um, all these companies who that, did that Brandless. Yeah. So they were another company that were invested in by SoftBank. Brandless were, were, were cosmetics or? So I think Brandless, they were, they they started off as cosmetics. They started off, set, everything was $3. But then they moved into spatulas and they moved into pretty much everything that you would need in a house. And I think they were, they were average at loads of things and they weren't good at one thing. And I think, yeah, so I think they raised, they raised 220 million, but they only received 100 million at the start and then they blew through that and now they're closed. Insane. So going back to, leaving the insurance company money wasn't good but it's not like you replaced one paying job with another <laughs> yeah yeah 
I think... Um, so in, in what universe yeah. does becoming unemployed and starting a startup yeah. is a better outcome than working in, a, in an insurance company? Yeah, it's a good shout. It's a good question. I think for me, we started to get a bit of traction. With, with, at the time, it was a startup incubator. We started getting some traction with some companies. They were like, oh, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll pay to help young people launch their own businesses. But what I quickly realized about three, four... So I started this, started to get some traction. Um, we got some investors on board. They put some money in. Um, I was then able to leave my job because it gave me a little bit of runway. You're taking for granted things that other people have worked and are working extremely hard yeah. for. Yeah, you're yeah, dropping yeah. off NFL as a customer. You're dropping off uh, <laughs> speaking to investors. Yeah. Like, at 16, you were stealing and selling computer parts. Yeah. And at 28, you were meeting investors yeah. on your company. So yeah, it's let's, true. Let's, let's, let's fill in the gap. <laughs> how do you go from, from being... A hired hand in an insurance company to having an idea to then meeting investors. Yeah. Let's pace it because yeah, question, this yeah. is where I think a lot of the value lies. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point, man. Thanks for taking it back. I think, so with the investors, I didn't know any. So when I first started, I had no idea about any investors. My parents don't know anybody that are investors. My parents are just like like hard workers, but they didn't know any investors or whatever it may be. Um, none of my friends were investors. Their parents weren't investors. So I didn't know who to talk to. But one day I was sitting in a coffee shop and um, as I'm there on my laptop, I'm on um, TechCrunch, looking at TechCrunch. And there's a black guy next to me and he looks at my screen. He goes, oh, like, you, are you into startups? I'm like, oh yeah, like massively, this is what I do. He's like, oh, you should join this WhatsApp group. It's called 10 by 10. So it's a WhatsApp group of uh, black founders across London. So there's like a hundred and something of us in there. Everyone's doing very loads of different things, like watch brands to marketing agencies and, and everything in between. He said, you should join this WhatsApp group. So I joined this WhatsApp group, ended up meeting a guy called Andy Davis, um, who's a great guy. And he introduced me to a woman called Czech Warner. So Czech Warner is, um, she is the partner at Ada Ventures. So you are a venture firm. I think they've got like a 30 million pound fund here in, here in London. He introduced me to her. And she was like, ah, oh, really like what you're doing. Let me see if I can find anybody that, that, that may be interested in talking to you. And that was it. So that it was that meeting that person in the coffee shop who then led me to Andy, who then led me to Czech, who then led me to our initial angel investors. Did you have a pitch deck at that point? I did. It was ugly as hell. Um, but it was kind of... Did um, it have a monkey with a golden chain on it? <laughs> no, it, it did not. It did not have a monkey with a golden chain. It should have had a monkey with a golden chain, though. It probably would have got us more money. But it was cool. It was good. It was interesting because it was kind of like... It was so serendipitous. It was so completely out of my control. So it wasn't like I was like... That's why I do believe in like working hard and grafting. But so much of the stuff that's happened to us is kind of like... It's, it's just randomly popped up. It's not been like I'm like, oh my God, I'm so skilled and I'm an amazing founder. You just walk into stuff and it's just a lot of our clients I've met at events and then sweet talk to them and managed to get meetings with the with the team so describe to me the first pitch meeting with the future angel investor if you've never been in such a room it could be awkward yeah yeah so it actually wasn't a pitch meeting so they just wanted to so for check it was kind of I just went check and Matt they just wanted to get to know me so they were like just tell us about the business tell about tell us about you and we just spoke for a while can you repeat what you said to them now? Without knowing everything you already know about your business. Yeah. Go back to... Go to... back then. Really, I just sold them in the mission of that the realistically businesses are being started by people that aren't from, from, from our backgrounds. They're not underestimated. And I just wanted to level the playing field. And that was it. That was my whole pitch. I just need to level the playing field. I need to make it... I need to make it more accessible for people to launch their own companies. And the idea was if they launch their own companies, they then exit and they can then be angel investors into the into into the next generation come along. That was that was, was a grandiose like this is what we're going to do type thing. And because they were starting their own fund, I think for them it was like yeah that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? And it, it ties in with ties in with their mission. And then the cool thing was so they invested and then they introduced introduced us to two other investors. But because it, and this is the interesting thing about network, I never had to meet the other two investors because they were just going off the vouching of 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 Matt and um, and Check which was crazy for me because I was just like, wait, 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 you're going to like invest and never have met me. And they were like, yeah, cool. Like if Matt and Czech say you're, you're, you're legit, then you're legit. When we're talking about invest, how much money are we talking about? It was £28,000. I love that. I still know that's hilarious. Um, £28,000. Um, and that was enough for me to go, all right, it's a business. I'm going to quit my job and manage to somehow convince my wife that I needed to live my cushy leave my cushy job with our BMW that they gave to us and all these things. 
and I left that and I was I was being paid pretty well and then I left that to be living on pennies and then every month for the first like four months I just kept telling her like oh we might have to reduce my salary by like another 300 quid another 200 quid and she's like there's nothing left to reduce so it was scary like even now like my salary is still not like whatever like even now like I'm basically living on beans and air but I think yeah that that jump it jolted me to just to put everything into it because there was no other because I don't don't have parents that if shit fails they're just gonna be like hey don't worry we'll pay your mortgage for you do you know what I mean like I have a mortgage a child a wife if everything goes pear-shaped we die basically £28,000 sounds like almost pocket change oh mate it is yeah but in a way it's life changing money it's everything it literally £28,000 that's the most anyone's ever given to me ever like other than a paid salary which I got each month I was like £28,000 like you trust me with £28,000 me how do um, <laughs> and I remember being like what I remember seeing it come to my account and being like wow look all the look all this money <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, that's a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah for that real. Is a nice and I think and to, to a lot of people, they're like, what is that? Do you know what I mean? Like, I hear people like, oh, I raised this and I raised that. But Jay, you were faced with a term sheet, right? Mm. To secure the investment. Mm-hmm. Term sheet is basically, we're giving you this money under these conditions. Mm-hmm. No real legal qualifications. Mm-hmm. And in your networks, I don't know if you could go into a startup lawyer and ask him, am I, am I getting a good deal? Mm. So how did you go about closing that deal and securing it yeah great so I actually so Andy Davis who I mentioned before he actually helped me with, with all of that so Andy's um, a director of Backstage Capital so uh, their their fund was started by Arlen Hamilton in the, in the, in the States so she's a, um, a black investor she's amazing and I basically sat down with him and I was like what do all these friggin acronyms mean like what the hell are they talking about like how much equity am I giving and all this kind of stuff like what do they what, what, what does it mean about my valuation all of this stuff I had no idea about and yeah, they had, he helped me. He literally walked me step by step through that. Um, so I, without him, we probably wouldn't have closed. I wouldn't have known what I was doing. Did you feel safe going through the process? Because it's uncharted territory. I think safe is, is probably not the term I would use. I think I had no other choice. Like there was, I couldn't work in that consultancy role for a smile. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Because technically it was just like, so what do I do if I do leave here? There's nothing else for me to, to go on to. And I think I thought I'd found, at the time, I thought I'd found something that worked. So I was kind of like, well, I might as well give it a try for the next, how, until this money runs out. Um, and then if it doesn't, then you can, I, the way I've always done it is I can always go and get another job. So. What was the first thing you, you used the money for? Okay. So this is, now this is where it starts getting complicated. I actually started hiring people. Um, so I hired a head of marketing, I hired a head of operations, and a social media person. Bam, giving away titles yeah. like... Yeah, just, just, ah, I felt like Oprah. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title, you get a title, you get a title. Um, quickly realized that after the few, few, few months, I'd rushed into hiring people. I had no idea how to hire. Um, I'm the kind of person that goes off my gut. Um, or vibes. I'm like, oh man, this is a, we've got such a good vibe. Vibes. Vibe, like, vibes as a business strategy yeah. can go either way. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we've got a good vibe. I'll hire you. And then three months in, I'm like, oh man, this isn't working And you're a salesperson in nature, so you know that yeah. vibes can be artificially created. <laughs> yeah, for that moment, for me, because they see what I'm saying. And I think, yeah, I, I thought there's a vibe with this person. And it wasn't that they were wrong for the role. It was that they were either wrong for that time or... They just weren't suited for what we were doing. So it wasn't them. They were amazing human beings. It was more me. I just didn't know how to hire. So made that mistake. I don't know how many times. A lot of times. Made that mistake a lot of times. Just hiring somebody off. Off like, oh, we get a good vibe. And da, da, da. Um, so a lot of that money went on that. Because really, I've always been... So my mum's Jamaican. Like, I come from a background of being frugal. So I always believed in just keeping costs super low. And just running, just running lean. So we weren't really spending on anything else other than manpower because I just wanted to just get some people behind it. So that's what the 28K went on. Surprisingly, how quickly that money disappears. I remember every month being like, why is it going down? Why is it going down? Where's the other money coming from? Why is it not being replenished? Um, So so how long until you burn through that money? So we were making sales, but through the initial 28,000, maybe... Eight months. Okay. So you made it last. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I'm black, bro. Like we don't 
we don't, we don't fuck around with that stuff, man. I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay, we made that last. So take me to the moment where you realized you made a bad hire, not because of the person, but yeah. because of the timing. And now you're the boss, three, four months in, and you had to let someone go. I had a couple of people, and um, they were they were asking us to do things. So one of them was asking us, um, she was amazing, and she was asking us to do uh, events. So she's saying, oh, we need to do these events, we need to do these events, we need to do these events. And I was like, we don't need events. Like, you're trying to focus on events, and we just don't need events. And she was like, but we need to create this awareness, and we need to get all of these people in from these industries, and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, but how is that f- furthering our mission? Like, I don't understand. I couldn't get my head around it. And we just kept going on loggerheads about it. And then... Um, I think from that kind of the relationship began to break down. So I was just like, you're not understanding what we're trying to do. And she was a young mum, first time mum. So she was struggling sometimes with childcare and stuff like that, which I fully get. Like, so my co-founder is a, is a young mum as well. So I fully get it. But it was, it was tough because I was like, she was like, oh, hey, like we had a meeting and she was like, oh, hey, I can't come because I can't get childcare. And I was like, ah, crap. So it would leave, it would leave me. And it was quite, it wasn't even just a once off. It was quite a regular basis. So we, I worked my hours around, our hours around her and then it just, it would just kept happening and kept happening and kept happening. And I always remember my mum working her ass off when we were kids. So I was like, I know mums can do it because they're like 10 times more powerful than we are anyway. But it just wasn't working for her. And I just kind of thought, okay. And I I literally still hate firing people. This is why now my co-founder, she does all the hiring and all the firing because she's so good at it. Like, I just love people too much, man. I'm like, oh, dude, like, Maybe I should give them another month. Yeah, you. Maybe I should give them another month. You feel guilty for yeah. for for having done that, and you, like, a salesperson. Surprisingly, salespeople are deeply empathic when they yeah. want to be. Yeah, so yeah. you're like, and you know their lives. I know your life in and out. So I'm like, I don't want to get rid of you because, like, I know, like, I know what's going on and blah blah blah. But then I had to get to a point where I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm sorry. I love you, but you got to go. And it was tough because I I I got rid of I fired two people. And pretty much went to zero. It was just me again. And then I hired... No, so I fired two people and there was two of us left. And I hired another guy. And then he turned out to be a very similar similar situation. It just, it just didn't work out. So then I had to let him go. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm just like hiring all the wrong people. And that's what I started to realize. Maybe hiring isn't my forte. So maybe I should stop doing, doing that. Yeah, hiring. what you love in people and what you admire and the opportunities you want to give people... Yeah, sometimes comes at the expense of what you're actually trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but the good thing is, in during this whole time, the business was growing, and we were moving towards our pivot, which I'm sure we'll go into in a second. So you mentioned that the money ran out, but you were already making sales. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you selling? So the annoying thing was, we were actually basically going to companies and pitching for this for their corporate social responsibility budget, which is absolutely diddly shit. So in across the UK, I think it's like nine point five million that come all companies. As a, so you, basically every charity, every social enterprise pretty much is going for 9.5 million. That's what they're all competing for. Woof, piranhas in a, in a swimming pool. Yeah, literally. It's like, there's there's like literally nothing, there's nothing out there. Because for a lot of companies, it's kind of like corporate social responsibility. All right, we'll give a grand here and a grand there type thing. So we were pitching for that. The good thing was, is I've been in sales all my life. So I was able to, thank God, get in front of some, some really cool people. Um, and get a few of them, convince a few of them to to pay for us. Basically, we were saying to them, um, what you're paying is enabling students to access what we're doing for free because schools can't pay for it, which which in itself is just a horrendous model. So but, you yeah. are, you are getting money to pay the tuition of the students, the underestimated students that you are giving what to. So we were giving them access access to our incubator resources. So we had eight weeks worth of online resources. And over eight weeks, I learned everything how to start a business. So it was video content, it was online content, um, delivered by myself, so pretty much on cameras like this. Um, and for over eight weeks, they learned pretty much from starting it all the way through to how to pitch it to investors. At the end of the eight weeks, we then take them to Boston Consulting Group in Soho in central London, um, and they pitched a panel of investors there. How did the relationship with, with uh, BCG came about? So BCG came about from an introduction from Czech. So uh, Czech, who's one of our angels, introduced us to Daniel there. Um, and they were like, hey, yeah, we'd love to host you here. We'd love to hold the, um, the final of the incubator here. And that was that. And, and, and Daniel's still on our board today, which is cool. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Maybe pause for a second and, and let's like be thankful for the people who we've met on their journey so far. Yeah. So the teacher, his name? Uh, Mr. Wright. Mr. Wright and the VC guys and Andy Davis. Yeah, Andy Davis, uh, Chuck Warner, um, Matt Pennycard, and then my other angels, Alan and Nigel. And your co-founder, how did that relationship come about? So this is after our pivot. So we were doing um, the startup incubator stuff. Um, we pivoted to uh, to what we do now. You pivoted why? Because it was hard getting that money from the corporate social responsibility funds? I knew it was hard. I'd already known it was hard, but me being me, I'm a stubborn son of a bitch. I was going to push through and try and make it happen anyway. But the pivot happened because I was in with the brand. Um, and when I was in the room with them, they were like, hey, we don't really want to do the... It wasn't that they didn't want to, sorry. They were like, we can do a bit of the startup incubator stuff, but our main focus would be amazing if you could get some of these young people to help us do a marketing campaign. You know, if you were doing a proper MBA-type market research about um, online entrepreneurship schools, you would have never started your business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You would have never started it. Yeah. You would have realized, oh my God, so many people have tried it before. Some of the biggest <clears throat> names in the yeah. industry are doing that. Look at the level of production they're yeah. putting out. Yeah, Look at their yeah. marketing budgets. Yeah. You would be like, I can't see you fostering the motivation to go yeah. ahead and do that. Yeah, that's like, so true. Ignorance is bliss in that regard. Yeah. And if you wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't have gotten to the point of pivot yeah so true yeah i agree and 100 i'm always so thankful and grateful that we started because um if we hadn't started i wouldn't have figured out all the dumb shit that i did while we were doing it but then also yeah we wouldn't have come across the pivot because i wouldn't have been in the room with the brand and you wouldn't have been in the room with the brand you didn't realize you 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 know at that point suck in hiring yeah. and firing yeah. so you need a co-founder to take yeah to take uh, after these types of responsibilities so much of the story so far is reliant on you opening up yourself to opportunities without a predetermined outcome. Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. And I think a lot of this journey is just like faith. Like you literally, like whether that's in, in yourself or in a higher power, whatever it may be, it's literally just like, just like when Reed Hoffman talks about jumping off a cliff and building the plane on the way down. I feel like that, but then I started off with no tools to build. So you're kind of just like falling towards the floor just with air in your hands. And I think it's exciting but at the same time, obviously, yeah, it's terrifying. And I think the pivot for us came at a perfect time. So it was pretty, It was literally September 2019. So it's se September last year. So it wasn't like it was like a long time ago. This is like recent. And I'm in the room with the brand and they're just like, oh, could you help us build a marketing campaign? The brand? Yeah. So NFL. So I'm in the room with the NFL. 
you're an East London boy, and all of a sudden you're with the biggest sport brand yeah, in crazy. North America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another part of the story you're skipping yeah, out yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do this a lot. So um, with the NFL, I was doing a talk at Facebook. So Facebook um, approached me and asked, they asked me to come in and do a talk about um, diversity in, just about, just about being black in sports, basically. But, and what I did, my connection to it was because I had a connection to a local school that wasn't too far from the Facebook head offices. And basically I said, I want to bring 25 of my students down so they can see some of these amazing black athletes and amazing black leaders and just learn from them. So we had, I think we had like maybe 15 or 20 young black people come down, like they're like teenagers. And they came down with us to Facebook. It was like, I told them, you're going to go there. It's going to be free food and free everything all day. So get as much as you can as you can get in your bags, basically. So I've got all these teenagers like ramming their bags full of snacks and stuff. But they just loved it. They loved getting to hear from these leaders and, and, and just be around that. Um, and while there, they gave me a, f- a few minutes to speak about what we were doing. At the time, we was a startup incubator. I just told the audience what we did. And afterwards, I had a few companies approach me, like Formula One and, and, and the NFL and stuff. And then struck up a great relationship with Sarah from the NFL. What was her role in the NFL? She was the head of marketing. So head of marketing uh, for the NFL, and this is taking place in the UK? Yes, yeah, yeah. So this was taking place because they've got a head office in London. Why would the NFL have a head office in London? Oh, so basically, long story short, the NFL um, have been making a presence here in the UK. Um, they run like five or six games here a year. And um, there's a massive NFL crowd here in the UK. So they run five or six games here, and they're, and they're really big on basically just um, exposing the UK to, to what, what the American sport is like, which is really, really cool. And how did Sarah end up in that uh, Facebook uh, office anyway? So she was there because Sarah was trying to... Sarah's an amazing woman. She's actually left the NFL now, but Sarah was an amazing woman that she was trying to basically figure out how can we um, get more black people into our industry. She was trying to pretty much... She, she was an ally. She was trying to level the playing field for, for, for black people, which is cool. So that's why she was there. I spoke... She came and spoke to me afterwards. And then maybe three or four meetings in, um, now nah, less than that, maybe two or three meetings in, one of them just piped up and was like, oh, hey, like, would you be able to help us to create a marketing campaign with this generation? And that was for me when the light bulb came on. And I was like, wait, if they're asking for this and they're huge, then maybe other people may be interested. But this wasn't the product yet, so... No, nah, not at all. <laughs> you left the meeting saying, yes, and we'll figure it out? Or yeah. you were like, let me get back to you? I said, yes, we can do it. And then I left the meeting and I rang who was in my team then and I said, we need to figure out how we can do this. How did you do it? <laughs> we basically went to our schools and it was, initially it was all just very manual. So we went to the schools we were working with. We hadn't actually, there wasn't any timeline on it. So it was kind of, I had time to figure out how we could do it. Um, I went to them. I went to a graduate recruitment company. They had uh, a few a few thousand graduates on their platform. And I basically said to all of them, so this is where it was held together by duct tape and chewing gum. And I just said to all of these people, all of these students, I can get you an opportunity to work with the NFL. All you need to do is pitch pitch to us as a company. So um, when we were testing it, we tested it. So before I actually did anything with the NFL, I tested it with a couple of smaller startups. So I said, hey, just pay me a few grand and I'll, and I'll test it out. They were like, yeah, great. We get to build with Gen Z. So we're down. Um, and I literally said to our to, to to who we now call our consultants, said to our consultants, the original few, and I just said, pitch to us what you would do for this brand. And that was literally, I just put it all together from from that. Funny, because your original consultants have have come about for Divink. They yes. wanted to learn yeah. about how to start a business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now they get to uh, to pitch an initiative. Yeah, yeah. And I think th- the interesting thing for me, because my always core underlying thing was I always wanted to make, to, to level the playing field. Like I said at the start, I always wanted to help the underestimated to be part of the decision, to be decision makers. And I quickly realized through doing Divink that not everybody wanted to start a business. So I was almost missing 98% of people because only the 2% really wanted to start a business. So with what we were doing, what we pivoted towards after um, that that nudge from the NFL was something that everybody can get involved in because it doesn't matter what you're studying, doesn't matter whether you're studying, it doesn't matter who you are, you can still get the opportunity. And I think that's what got me excited. And then I basically spent weeks just cheering my wife's ear off just telling her, what do you think about this? What do you think? Going back to our investors and saying, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And everybody was like, and then we gradually just formulated it. And it was literally just, it was duct tape and chewing gum, but it was something. 
So what does Imagine do now? Yeah, great question. So we help agencies and brands to build their products, their branding and their marketing by enabling them to collaborate with over 200,000 Gen Z consultants. What's the alternative to working with you? How do companies get in touch with Gen Z at the moment? They don't. So the way the way Gen Z are like this unknown generation. So the way most brands and agencies would try and get in touch with them is they will walk out on the street. So they'll walk out in Oxford Circus, wherever, and they'll do they'll talk to them as they're walking past. Or they will talk to the CEO's children, or they'll talk to the internal team's children. That's normally how they do it. Or if they're trying to go a little bit further out, they will normally do it via their social media. So they'll say, Hey, um Coca-Cola will say, Oh, Um, we want to come up with a new flavor of Coke, give us your ideas. All of those, obviously, as you can tell, they all have their own flaws and and issues. Um, Going out into the street, you're only going to get a certain demographic. You're only going to get folks that are normally from London. So you're only getting a a certain type of view. If you're going to the CEO's kids or the team's kids, they're again from a certain demographic. So you're missing it all there. And then with the last one going to to your social media, you're getting your fans. So it's like me going to my wife and being like, oh, what do you think of this business? Or what do you think of this idea? She'd be like, it's great, babe. You're amazing. You're a genius. But if I went to somebody that doesn't know me, they'd be like, yeah, that's no, trash. It's a dumb idea. From hearing about your wife, I doubt she'll be uh, uh, as uh, forgiving. Uh, as, uh, like, I, can, I can see her domineering when, yes. when, when, yes. when the time is right. I love how you know her already. Do you, have you met her? Like, what is going on? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about, about Gen Z. I don't even know yeah. what age bracket is Gen Z. <laughs> great, great. And this is the funny thing. We go to so many brands and agencies and they think they're aiming at millennials, but they're actually aiming at Gen Z. So you're Gen- 29, you count as a millennial. I'm a millennial. Yeah, I'm yeah, 35, yeah. nearly six. What yeah. does it put me? You're a millennial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, come on. Yeah, oldest millennials are 38. So my sister's a millennial. Oh, she's 39 this year. So yeah, my sister's a millennial. I'm a millennial. Yeah, bro. What did you think you were? A Gen X? Yeah. <laughs> you're definitely a Gen X. You've got a great beard, but you're not that old, bro. I'm, I'm wearing flannel. <laughs> it's, a, it's a glue. It's, it's Patagonia, bro. That's, like, you go, I'm wearing flannel. It's like, it's like some unknown brand that you got from a charity, bro. It's Patagonia, bro. So, um, so I'm no Kurt Cobain. Is this no, what you're saying? No, 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 no. <laughs> no you're not, bro. Um, so Gen Z, the youngest now are seven and eight years old and the oldest are 24 and 25. Okay, so that's a serious age bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if Coke wants to choose a flavor and it needs to base its insights on a, on such a broad and, and kind of like a, a, a heterogeneous a, a yeah. demographic, yeah. when I wind up with another cherry Coke. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's tough. I think, so the, the inter- there's three key things about Gen Z. So they are, um, they're activists. So with millennials, we're activists. We love the world. We love the generation. But at the same time, I'll still wear a Canada goose. Like, I care about the world, but just not that much. Gen Z, we've had consultants. I had, I remember one specific consultant. She was in a session with us. And I just happened to notice she hadn't drunk any water the whole time we were in session. She just hadn't drunk anything. So I just said, like, why are you not drinking? She said, oh, I forgot my reusable water bottle. And I was like, do you use a plastic cup? She said, no, I refuse to use a plastic cup. So she'd refuse to drink for like three or four hours because we only had plastic cups. And to me, I would have been like, I'll use a plastic cup because I'm thirsty and I may try and recycle it somehow. But to her, that's just core of who she is. And you see a lot of the movements led these days about activism is, is, from, is from Gen Z. The second thing is that they're digital natives. So they truly grew up like in, in the digital world. So for them, software updates and all that is just normal. And then the last thing is that they're co-creators. So for them, they, with millennials, we want to be the face of everything. I want to be the, I want to be the one on the podcast. I want to be the one doing the startup. I want to be the one that's the CEO. Very obsessed with titles. I was talking to my co-founder today. She used to work, she's um, ex-OMD, ex-Starcom, sorry. So she's been in marketing for 18 years. And she said she remembers people in her teams being like, oh, hey, can I get a, a promotion to manager? Because I just want to have manager in my title. So millennials were very obsessed with the titles. With Gen Z, what we're finding so far is that they just want to create cool shit with cool people. So they're not really too fussed about being the face of anything. They just want to co-create. So that's why stuff like TikTok and YouTube and Twitch is all quite community collaborative driven, which is interesting. That's fascinating. <laughs> what are some uh, some stigmas that are attached to the Gen Z? I think there's actually probably more stigma attached to millennials because a lot of older, so Gen Xers and even millennials, I think we group everybody from zero to 50. 
in the millennial bracket for some reason. So I think a lot of the time millennials were called lazy, were called soft, whatever it may be. Probably the main one I would say is the attention span. So a lot of millennials talk about Gen Z having only an eight second attention span, which I probably could say is true. Some people with sports brands, they're saying, okay, are they going to watch a full sports game? Are they going to watch it live? Or would they rather watch the highlights? So yeah, so potentially something about their um, their attention span um, and about them not wanting to stay in jobs too long. But I think that actually comes from millennials. From what we've heard from Gen Z, they want to get a, a, a stable job and they want to have side hustles. So what advice would you give employers <clears throat> as Gen Z now coming into the workforce? I think um, right from the from the go, just be honest. Because one thing we've noticed with Gen Z is, so that's why our, our slogan is brutally honest Gen Z insights, because they just don't give a shit. They will, they will spot your BS and they will call you out on it super quickly. So I think with employers or with brands or whoever it may be, is just be honest. Just be honest about who you are. Just be honest about why you're hiring them. Honest about what they're going to be doing in the role. Because back in the day, it'd be kind of like, oh, don't worry. You're like, there's beanbags and all this kind of stuff. And then it's it doesn't match up to what they actually said. So being just being radical, radically honest about it, I think is helpful. Um, and also just paying people properly. I think Gen Z, they're understanding that I'm coming to the world of work, but I want to be paid pennies. So I understand what I'm good at. So just pay me a decent salary, like a livable salary. Because I don't think we can get away anymore of paying people £18,000 and asking them to work god-awful hours. I think if you're going to hire somebody and work them to the bone, then then pay them properly. And what advice would you give Gen Z, who's yeah. going into a new workforce that's a, still not fully Gen Z compatible, that's a bit traditional, that yes, not everything is, a, is, a, is rosy, we still have plastic bottles, we still use printers? I think um, be the change from within. So if you're going into these going into these workplaces, going into these companies, you need to be the people that are saying, okay, you know what? You're not where you need to be, but I can help you get there. But I'm not going to do it in an aggressive way. Like, hey, I'm the Gen Z. You're the Gen X and old millennial people. You don't know what's actually going on in the world, but doing it in a way that's that's collaborative, which is, which is who you are anyway. And then probably the second thing is just know your worth. So if you're going into a role, just know what you're bringing in. And this is another reason why we do what we do. Because my dream is that our consultants can walk into agencies, walk into brands, walk into companies and go, hey, you know what? I may have the same 2-1 degree from everybody as everybody else, but I also have these three pieces of work that I did with these three amazing brands. And I also have a reference from this amazing brand. So giving the, putting the power back in their hands so they can show this is what I'm worth. Two things I love about how you're phrasing it is one is you don't give them a job, but you have them build a portfolio mm. in a more uh, in a more low stake, uh, low commitment yeah. way yeah. that allows for a lot of freedom and also fosters accountability because you pitch and yeah. sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. Yeah. Sometimes they find what you think is valuable and sometimes they won't. Yeah. And the second thing is you call them consultant. Yeah. How old are, are your youngest consultants? 16. 16. Yeah. So that's to be called a consultant yeah. at 16. You know, speaking about the underestimated, mm. um, I think you're starting in the morph with a very high baseline. Yeah. 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 I think, and that's, that's, that's what we're always, anytime we talk to a brand, anytime we talk to an agency, we're saying, if you bring in the consultants in the room, don't call them kids, don't call them young people, don't call them students. You call them consultants. Because I always remind every brand, every, every agency that we work with, they're, they're telling you things you don't know. So what does a consultant do? They tell you things that you don't know. So they may be younger than you, but you're bringing them in because you don't have the expertise to do what, they, what, what they're going to do and you need them to co-create with you. So I think when you do it that way, it's the brands get it because they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And for the consultants, it's a win because the power's in their hands. Jay, the more we speak, the more I fall in love with what you guys are doing. Before we part ways, any final words of wisdom or things you'd like to bring on? You know what, actually, funny enough, it's probably, yeah... Um, sleep sleep train people need to look after themselves whether you're a run a startup or you work in a company I think I'm a massive advocate anytime I do a, um, a panel talk or a conference or whatever I always talk about just looking after yourself because I've got far too many friends that have either died too young or they are knackered and they're burning out and they're in their late 20s early 30s people need to sleep eat well exercise go for walks switch off their phone on the weekend sometimes and just actually enjoy life i'm trying to get better at just being in the moment so as since i've been here i've tried to stay off my phone other than a, than, a, than a call with a um with a client and i think just being present with you guys and being present in this room and just trying to enjoy that 
And I think I just encourage everybody to do that. Just try, not like a hippy-dippy, like, oh my God, let's go live in the bushes. But literally just in a way of being like, if you can enjoy this moment and you can enjoy being present, life is actually sick. Like, and you have so much to be grateful for. Like, there's so many things going wrong in the world. We should just enjoy enjoy what we're doing. And I think, yeah, just look after yourself, man. Because you only get one you. And you burn out. I've had friends that died when I was, when I was in my teen years and when I was 19. And I think if they were here, they'd just be saying, yo, just enjoy it. What would be the best way to reach out to you and learn more about Imagine.co? Yeah, perfect. So um, imagineinsights.com, that is our website. Um, and on LinkedIn, my name is Jay Richards. On Twitter, I'm Jay Richards. Um, so yeah, you'll find me. I'm here. I'm there, elusive, hiding. And in real life, you're Jay Richards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.